Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, I was like, I thought I had it on. Maybe I didn't, my bad. That was me, that wasn't Jason. So don't look back there like the sound man did something wrong. I told him, I said, I got this. I don't got this, apparently. Okay. We're gonna finish out our series this morning as we've gone verse by verse through the book of Titus. And remember a few things about Titus. The apostle Paul wrote to this minister named Titus who he had left on the Isle of Crete to be able to minister to the people of Titus. He wanted him to help establish the church there. One of the things that was really important was making sure that the church was healthy, that it had healthy leadership, and the leadership understood that there is qualifications that should be attached to people who are in leadership. And so he says, here's the type of people you need to look for. Here's the type of people that you need to put into place. And then he begins to say, these are the types of things that you need to be teaching the church. Because remember, the Isle of Crete was known as a really, really bad place. I mean, this is the place where the book uh, series, The Hunger Games, was actually based on the rituals that they would do to actually uh, initiate young people into adulthood in their culture. And so that and many, many other things were very, very wicked, very evil about this group of people. And now here's Titus. He's on the island of Crete, literally feeling like he's on an island and he is just here to be the salt and light and to be this person who's trying to help Christians navigate living in the middle of a lot of darkness. And I mean, it's, 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 this is so reflective of so much of the New Testament. And I want you to hear this today. And I want you to get this today. Because there's so much in the New Testament that is dealing with people who are following Jesus in the middle of a culture that is not in the middle of a value system that is not. And listen, sometimes, sometimes we as Christians get the benefit of living in a society and in a day where our values as Christians reflect what, uh, what, what, what we see in Scripture and we see people who are in leadership perhaps a president or a governor or a senator or a mayor or someone who's in a position of influence, in a position of power, who can be able to, through legislation, make the values of the culture try to line up with things that we see in scripture. And if we get to live in that kind of culture, and if we get to live in that kind of day, praise God for that. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. But can I tell you that having our life here on earth And everything and everybody just do all of those things. Man, we still have to learn to live when those things aren't happening. When we have legislatures and when we have politicians and we have political leaders and people in power who don't follow Christian values. We still have to learn to live the way that God's called us to live. So regardless of whether things in this world are going our way or whether they're not, we're still called to be the church and our mission does not change. I want us to get that today. I want this, us to understand that today. And, and let me tell you something else. 
When I read through Titus 3 and I was putting my message together last week, because I do that around Tuesday or Wednesday is when I normally put my sermon together. We had planned to go through Titus over a year ago when we had done our service planning. So there's no way that I knew what would be happening in our culture and in our world and in our country during that time. So I look at this as a very timely message because as we see the Roe v. Wade overturning, we see that culture is now with the way that those who are in authority, that there's a value now that is reflective of what people who follow Christ and who value life, and we get excited about that, and that's good. But whether things go our way or not, we're still called to be salt and light, and we're still called to love, amen? We never get away from that. And so as I was reading this, I was like, oh man, God knew what he was doing. Like, uh, God knew what he was doing because I believe that this is gonna help us today to navigate when things go the way that we hope in society and in culture, and when they don't. Because as we read throughout the New Testament, we see people dealing with both sides of that coin. And you and I, throughout our lifetime, will deal with both sides of those coins. And, and, and some people think, oh, if we could just get the right people elected, if we could just get the right people in power, yeah, yeah, maybe so, maybe not. But listen, it doesn't change our mission. Amen? Our mission stays the same whether things go our way or not. And it's great. We can go, all right, yay. We, we, we saw victory over here, and we can get excited about that. But the church's mission does not change either way because some people man they want to they want to take their foot off the gas and go oh things are easier now whoa 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 God didn't say to back off just because things may be going your way with the person you wanted elected or the policy that you had hoped would get pushed through no 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 we still have a mission amen we still have a calling that he's called us to do and I want us to understand this idea of setting the tone today so let's read this last chapter of Titus with all these things in mind he says remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior." So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who are believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis and Tychias to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis for I decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer. That sounds like a cool name, Zenus the lawyer. And Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All those... All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Faith, grace be with you all. 
Here Paul opens up this section of his letter by saying remind them to be submissive and to the rulers, to the authorities. He's talking about Cretans, man. He's talking about Crete. He's saying remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Who's them that he's talking about? Because Paul's telling Titus, he's saying, hey, you as this shepherd, you as this overseer over the church in Crete, remind them to do these things. Well, we have to look back and look at the context of who is them. Remember in chapter two, Pastor Evan went through this list of people that Paul was giving instruction to. He's talking about the old men, the young men, the mothers, the women, the bond servants, the young women. He was instructing Titus to make sure that they understand they have a responsibility to set the tone because people are watching. And we have a mission. Amen, church? He's reminding them, he's saying, you guys have the call and the responsibility to set the tone. It is your job to set the tone. And here's how you're going to do it. I'm going to remind you to tell these folks that you're responsible with oversight, the Christians, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle to show perfect courtesy towards all people. So what we say and what we do matters, amen? Oh, like three people believe that this morning. I said what we say and do matters. We have to get this. We have to understand this. This is the whole concept of 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 where the apostle Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ. It's as if God himself is imploring through us to others, be reconciled to God. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're representatives of Christ. And we wanna make sure as ambassadors that we're doing our jobs properly representing Christ. So if I'm gonna properly represent Christ, that means I need to be looking to Christ for how I navigate the situations I find myself in. It means I look to Christ for how I interact with other people, even those who may disagree with me, because I have a mission, because what I say and do matters, amen? What I say and do matters. What I say and do matters. So is what we're saying and doing different from the culture? Is what we're saying and doing that is different, is it attractive? Is it showing the goodness of God? And is it showing the love of Christ and is it showing others that we love them like Christ loved them? Or is it showing them something else? Or maybe there's no difference. Is it hard to tell the difference between a Christ follower and someone who is lost? And here's what I want us to get. This, is, this, this has to be anchored in our hearts. Gospel living is respectful. Gospel living is respectful. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, Titus, remind them. Remind the old men, the young men. You know, remind the, the, the young women, the old, old women. Remind the Christians that gospel living is to be respectful. But, but we live in Crete. Like, you know where we're at. Like, I mean, could you imagine if they had texting instead of like, I don't know, carrier pigeons or however they got stuff back and forth. Like, like could you imagine like, if he could just text Paul back and Paul's, like, texting him on Crete, and he's like, remember, remind them to be, like, submissive to authorities. He's like, you know who they just elected on the island of Crete? He's saying, yeah, yeah, I know. 
but gospel living requires that we be respectful, and here's why. Because our message is more important than our opinion. Our message is more important. Listen to me today. Our message is more important than my opinion. It's, 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 it's more important than my feelings. It's more important than what gets me excited, riled up, angry. I need to temper all of that stuff with the gospel because the gospel is more important. And I'm an ambassador, a representative of the gospel, not just here in this building on Sunday morning, but every single place I go. I'm an ambassador for Christ and a carrier of the gospel on social media. I'm a carrier of the gospel when my thumbs want to get really aggressive and get in an argument because somebody upset me and offended me or doesn't agree with me. Hello, somebody. (laughs) The gospel is more important. The gospel matters more than how fast I want my thumbs to fly on that smartphone screen. Man, submissive to authorities. Man, unless they're asking me to do something sinful, because that was the line, and it's still the line today, because I'm I'm not going to submit to something that requires me to violate God's law. But if it's stuff I don't like, if it's stuff I would rather see a different way, he says, man, submit to that. Don't get caught up in all this quarreling. Don't get caught up in all this arguing, because, man, I, I know it may not be ideal, it, it may make your life a little harder, you know, but like at work, man, you think that, oh man, if the boss would just implement this system, our work would be so much easier. And you go around, you get in these pockets of conversation with other people about how foolish you think the boss's system is and how foolish the company is. And everybody gets riled up and mad about it. And here Paul is saying, hey, Titus, teach them to be submissive to those authorities. I know you don't like that system and there may be an easier way to do it, but if they're not listening to you and you've gone and you've talked to them, be submissive and be a good employee with the system that you're working under. Because it's more important that the gospel is presented because you are salt and you are light everywhere you go than it is that perhaps the better system gets implemented. And that's hard for us because we like to be right and we think we're smart, right? And we are to a certain degree, but sometimes we get so bought into our ideas And we get so bought into the way that we think things should go that we want to tout ourselves as the smartest person in the room and we forget we're carriers of the gospel. We forget that. Because all of a sudden we're trying to fix problems that aren't really even ours. And then at the same time, we're sitting here actually diluting the potency of the gospel that we carry because of our attitude. Because of the way that we gossip or slander. Because of the way we're quick to get in arguments. And Paul's saying, no, 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 Titus, help them to see. Man, I know, Crete. Man, everybody just wants to get out of there. But there's people there that need to hear the gospel. There's people that need to experience the love of Jesus. There's people there that need to see something real. There's people there that need to know that someone cares about them right where they're at. There's, There's people there who need that Jesus representative in front of them. Because the gospel is more important than what we think we're entitled to. Mm. Amen or oh me. First Peter chapter two. Because this just isn't in Titus. You're like, man, maybe, you know, Paul had a bad burrito when he, you know, wrote that letter. No, this is other places in the scriptures too. 
I don't agree with that, right? That's what people say. God's not asking our opinion on the matter, is he? God's not consulting us for our updated 21st century commentary. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is what Peter writes. In that same spirit, he says, put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy as a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen to this, verse 10. He's saying the same stuff Paul was saying to Titus. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. He's trying to remind them, listen, once you were far away from God too. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, to the praise those who do, not, those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing so, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Do you know who the emperor was during this time? It was the emperor, depending on the time that this was written, it was either the, the emperor Nero or the emperor Domitian. Both really bad guys. Really, really bad guys. That doesn't even make sense to me if I'm a Christian reading that. I'm like, Psh, Peter, what are you talking about? Honor the emperor. He's saying, listen, he's like, we have a job to do and it's bigger than what's happening in our culture. Yes, we can try to influence and we can try to change that culture by, uh, by, by pu pushing through different uh, policies and things like that. And, and we rejoice when those things happen and that's great. But it doesn't detract us from our mission, which is to still be about the Father's business of winning souls, making disciples, impacting eternity, amen? That mission has never changed. That mission has never changed. And so my, my heart today, church, is to keep us anchored in the things of God so that we don't lose sight of that when it comes to interacting with people who may see things differently than we do. People who may disagree with us. Because it's easy to go, ha, 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 we won, you lost. <laughs> it is. But is that being salt and light? Is that being salt and light? No, it's not being salt and light. 
Is that being humble? Is that showing the love of God? Is that building bridges that are gonna impact and influence lives in eternity? It's great to celebrate, but can I encourage you? Man, let's guard our hearts when it comes to getting swept up in arguments with other people. Let's guard our hearts because we can quickly get off base and then all of a sudden now, our mission, we're getting off mission because we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to remember, man, once too, I was far away from God. Once too, I didn't value the things that God valued. Once too, I was lost and in darkness. Once too, I, 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 my heart was hard towards things that now it's softened to. And if it wasn't for the mercy of God, man, where would I be? We, we rush so quickly to be judgmental. We rush so quickly to want to prove that we're right. We rush so quickly to want to jump in arguments and we want to go so quickly into these things. And, and can I tell you that, that, that it, it sullies and hurts our message of the love and mercy that we freely received. If we don't temper that with reminding ourselves, yes, mm, before I get tempted by that clickbait to, re- to hit reply, right? Because I know that, ooh, that reply button has been tasty as of late. It's been like, mmm. And sometimes you click on it. Sometimes you click on it and you get involved in a back and forth that you didn't intend on getting in. And now you feel like it's this, I have to choose, right? I have to choose who to love and who not to love. No, no, no. I'm supposed to have the love of God where I can see someone right where they're at and love them because that's how God loved me, amen? And it doesn't mean that sometimes we don't speak hard truth and it doesn't mean that sometimes we don't, we don't stand up for things and we have to speak hard truth into those things. But can I tell you that truth is, should always be tempered in love and here's a little nugget for you today, okay? This is for free, it's not even in my notes. All right. If you want to know how to speak the truth in love, here's how you do it. Is your goal in what you are going to say to try to truly point that person to Jesus or is it just to reiterate that you're right and they're wrong? Because if your motive is just simply to be right, you're not going to be speaking the truth in love. If your motive is to share the gospel, if your motive is to to point that person towards Jesus, If that's your heart, and check your heart in this. Ask the Holy Spirit, because sometimes we can even deceive ourselves and go, yeah, my heart's good in this, and God's like, "Mm mm-mm. Ask the Holy Spirit before you you hit that reply, before you get into that conversation. Ask ask the Holy Spirit, ooh, is, is this loving? Is this pointing people towards the mission that I'm called to? Because I'm called to this mission no matter what's happening in culture and what's happening in my world, amen? I'm, I never stop being called to this mission. So that means that the person you wanted to get elected got elected, great. If it, if it didn't, great. Does not change your mission. Doesn't matter what the headline is on the news that you watch, whichever news you like. Oh, Jesus, help us all. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're seeing the ticker tape get you all riled up and excited. If you're listening to certain radio programs, man, all of a sudden they get you fired up and excited, gets you angry, whatever the case may be, check your heart in this. Because a mature believer, and that's what we want to be, we want to grow in maturity. Man, I I want to make sure that I'm carrying that message and being a representative of Christ, amen? Because I can't love others well that I deem the enemy. It's just not that easy. Even, man, 
you know, you, you think about what's going on in Ukraine, right? It's, it's easy. We go good guys, bad guys. Well, that's not the way the gospel sees it. The gospel doesn't see it as Ukraine good, Russia bad. That's not how the gospel sees it. The gospel sees it as lost and saved, and we want to make sure that those who are lost come to Christ. Amen? It doesn't, there are people who are doing evil. Don't get me wrong. But what if instead of we just saw the evildoers being stopped, what if instead we said we want to see the evildoers come to faith in Christ and repent? Because isn't that the gospel? Amen? And yeah, they need to be held accountable for their actions. Yeah, they need to be brought to justice, but that's not on me to do that. It's my job to help point people to Jesus and pray for their salvation. I know that it's a touchy subject, man, but you guys remember when uh, the SEAL team found Osama bin Laden, right? Everybody's like, yeah, we got him. We got Osama bin Laden. And I saw a pastor who tweeted something, and I don't remember who it was, but I remember that it happened. So you can fact check me later. But he tweeted, he said, he said yeah, we're, we're glad that the evildoer was caught and that he was killed. But at the same time, like, are we also mourning over his soul? that is spending eternity in hell if he didn't know Jesus? How many of us are thinking about eternity because, man, we can't say, well, this person's soul is more valuable than this person's soul because Jesus died for all. When you see all in scripture, it means all. It doesn't mean some and the ones that we don't like, eh, psh, whatever, they can burn, right? Because that's not the love of God. When Jesus died for all, he died for all, Amen. A sinner like you, a sinner like me, and my sin's not better or worse because maybe it's not as dirty or, as, or it doesn't seem as, 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 as publicized because you don't know me, you don't know my heart. God does though, right? I can look all good on the outside and make you think I got it all together, but God knows, amen? And so our job, and this is what I'm trying to get us anchored to, our job, our role, our calling, our commission, our conviction as Christians should always be to point people to Jesus Christ, amen? Because everything on this earth, all the good, all the bad, all the terrible things, guess what, one day it's all gonna pass away. So I wanna have my eyes set on eternity. And I want our church to have our eyes set on eternity. So that way, when we see people protesting on the side of the street, we pray for them, we love them. We don't, we don't wanna see them, them come to any harm. We don't wanna get into senseless arguments with them we want to love them and if God gives us opportunity for us to connect with them and show them the love of Christ not for us to just put them in a basket of bad people that I want to not interact with well Jesus hung out with prostitutes tax collectors right you remember this he spent time with them loved them right where they were and guess what happened they begin to change they begin to repent they begin to see God's goodness and that's what I believe God wants us to do Love people right where they're at because God loved me right where I was at. And I have to think, I have to stop myself and say, where would I be if it wasn't for the love of God? Right? Where would I be if it wasn't for the mercy of God? Because every Christian once was lost. Every believer that's been made new was once lost. That means you, that means me. I once was lost, but thank God I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see, right? And I want that for every person in these quad cities, amen? I want them to, those who are blind, those who are lost, I want them to be found, those who are disillusioned, those who all they see when they think of church is just hypocrisy or hurt or disappointment. I want them to see something real, 
something genuine, someone that cares and loves for them right where they're at. Amen? So love people as if it was the love you once needed because it was and it still is because we never stop needing Jesus. Amen? Here's our big idea for today. We honor God best by loving people well. I want you to write that down, get it tattooed in reverse on your forehead so when you look in the mirror, you'll see it the right way. So that's how mirrors work. We honor God best. Because don't you want to live your life to honor God? Amen? I mean, like, three people want to do that, right? Amen? We want to we wanna honor God, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like our thing. We're really into that, honoring God thing. So if I want to honor God, I want to do it to the best of my ability. And I want to honor God the best way I can. And here's how I honor God the best. By loving others really well. And it's not the love you possess because you're not that great. I'm not that great because people get on my nerves. That's right. You're loving Pastor Derek. People get on my nerves. It's true. But at the same time, that's why I need a love that's greater than the love I possess. Because my love has limits. It does. I, I, it's just the truth. But God's love is limitless. And I want to love people the way he loves people. So how do I do that? I, I allow his word and I around, allow Christ-centered community to, to, to so affect my heart and, and my life and my mind that I begin to see people through the lens of eternity. And yeah, they may be struggling and yeah, they may be frustrating me. Yeah, they may be even disappointing me right now. Yeah, there may even be tension between us right now. But I wanna love them the way Christ loved me and the way Christ loves people in the middle of tension. How does he do that? I, I need to learn that. I need to allow that to influence my heart because I wanna do that well. This is what Ephesians 6 and 12 says, and this is a very important verse for us to always remember, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, and that's talking about spiritual beings. It's not talking about like elected officials. It's talking about, th this is a spiritual battle. That's where our battle is, and, and, and listen, folks, that battle belongs to the Lord, amen? But the wrestle that we're wrestling against, yeah, there's gonna be different faces of evil. Yeah, there's gonna be different names attached to it, different political affiliations. There's gonna be different CEOs, different leaders, different people who were put in those positions. But can I tell you that, that that spirit that's behind it, that's the real enemy, not that face and not that flesh and blood. And we need to remember that when we wanna demonize people and we have to ask ourselves, am I praying for this person? Am I genuinely asking that God would soften their heart and open their eyes? Am I genuinely asking that God would move in such a powerful way to cause revival in their country or in their city or in their homes or in their life? Am I asking God to do that and is my heart set towards that? Is that how I'm tempering my conversation? Is that how I'm tempering my interactions with other people, whether I agree with them or not? Because it's amazing when God uh, does something great in our lives and in our world and we can get excited about that and I, and I love that. Oh, it's so good but I also want to give myself a reality check and go, but I need to stay on task with telling people about the gospel, with loving people right where they're at, regardless of who they may be or what they may think or believe, because the gospel is attractive. When our attitudes and our actions towards those that are different than, different than us, when they match our, our words, 
the things we say, when our attitudes and our actions match those words. Man, the people that are different than us, they, they, they take notice of that. And this is, this is my heart today, that the gospel should cause us to elevate eternity as the filter that sets the tone for how we love. The gospel should cause us to elevate eternity as the filter that sets the tone for how we love. And this is what Paul was saying to Titus. This is what he was trying to tell him in verse three, Titus chapter three, verse one. For we ourselves were once foolish. Hmm. We ourselves once were disobedient, led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We passed our days in malice. We, we were envious. We, we were hated by others and we were hating one another. He says, but when the goodness and the kindness of our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works, but because of his mercy towards us that washed us and renewed us with his Holy Spirit. That's the gospel, amen? That, that the grace of God swept in and meant that you got something you did not deserve. So love other people in a way that, that man, they didn't earn it, they didn't deserve it, because that's how you and I were loved, amen? Devote yourselves to good works is what Paul tells Titus. This is what he tells him to do in the middle of a very pagan and evil society. A very pagan, very evil society. Even to this day, this is like a couple of thousand years later and people still use the term Cretans to mean something derogatory and evil. To this day, you're pretty bad if your bad name had lasted for over 2,000 years, right? I mean, that's pretty bad, like... Somebody saying, oh, they're just a bunch of Cretans. Yeah, that's the people that Paul said, I'm gonna leave you there, buddy. You go get that church established and be sure to teach them these things. This is, how they, this is how you teach the Christians to navigate the culture of Crete, to navigate the day that they live in. And sometimes, man, things go better and it's great. The righteous rejoice when it does, and we should. We also are still called to this mission to love people right where they're at. One last scripture before we go this morning over in Matthew chapter five. <clears throat> is this helping anybody today? Is it, is it making you think, making you evaluate your heart? I hope that it is because it, it is doing that for me as well. Matthew five, verse 14 and if it's not helping you, just don't say anything because it'd be weird for me <laughs> and everyone else here. I would really appreciate it if you just didn't say anything. <clears throat> Matthew 5, you can send um, someone else an email. Matthew 5 and verse 14. Jesus is saying this here. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So my question for you today is what good works may God be calling you to do in order that the love of God can be shown to someone who's lost, someone who needs the love of Christ? What good work is he calling you to? What 
bridge is he calling you to extend? It'll be probably something that makes you a little uncomfortable. It may even be something that's not too popular. Because that's what Jesus was called to do. The type of good works that Jesus showed was not things that everybody was doing. It was things that made people scratch their heads and go, you're hanging out with who? You're loving on who? You're discipling who? And he loved them right where they were. Spoke truth and love to them. Truly showed mercy. Taught them, loved them, walked with them. I believe God is calling BCC to be that type of church that can be salt and light in the quad cities and all throughout the world, amen? I believe that. I really believe that. I'm not just saying that because it sounds nice and it's like something a pastor should say. And then it just goes in one ear and out the other. I, I really believe that. Like, I'm, I'm committed to that. And I want each and every one of you to be committed to that type of spiritual maturity, to being that type of church, to unifying, to rallying around that, to loving people well, to setting the tone, glorifying God by the way we interact and treat other people. And may God be glorified. May the gospel be lived out and shared. May people come to faith in Christ and may eternity be forever impacted because the people at BCC understood that the gospel that they've received so freely, they can freely give, amen, boldly and freely. So Father, help us do that because we get in our own way so much. We need your help. We get, we get in our own way so much, Lord. We need your help daily, moment by moment. So give us wisdom and discernment when it comes to our interactions on social media, around the water cooler, in the break room, with our neighbors, even with our family members. Give us wisdom to know when to speak, when to take a stand, when to be silent, when to be patient, when to be understanding, when to be full of mercy. Lord, help us to have that type of wisdom and discernment as followers of you so that your gospel can be shared and lived out and so that hearts may be softened and eyes may be opened and we can learn how to love you more and love others more with your love. And we ask you to fill us with that today and send us out into this world to love people and to love them well with your agape, unconditional love. We thank you for that, God. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.